You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Business Talk Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This is Orange County's longest running business talk show. And boy, do we have a good kickoff show for you. This is the first and only time I can say to the audience, Happy New Year. This is our first show of 2022 and couldn't find a better guest, Steve Reinhartz, who is the CEO of Artificial Intelligence Technology Solutions. We'll probably be calling it AITX through much of the interview. But Steve, welcome to the program. Rick, thank you very much for having me. It's such a great show, and I do enjoy our conversations. So, so having one that's public, I think will be very interesting. Great. Let's get started. So you created Artificial Intelligence Technology Solutions in 2021. Last year, what was the motivation for creating AITX as the parent of robotic assistant devices? Rick, actually... Uh, the company that became Artificial Intelligence Technology Solutions, AITX, uh, was acquired by me in 2017. So I first formed the primary operating subsidiary, which is we abbreviated to RAD. And then I did a reverse split into a public company, which I took control of. And then I changed the name of that company to Artificial Intelligence Technology Solutions. That's kind of how the, how the business okay. flow went. And why? Well, it's, you know, when you're a founder, you've got various ways to fund, right? And really funding is critical. I don't have to explain that to, to anybody on the phone. And, you know, with how I wanted to build and grow this company, I wanted to have a structure and a format where it could be led uh, individually and the strings weren't pulled by a strong investor group or a venture capitalist or private equity group. And, you know, a lot of uh, risks associated with however you fund. And in this particular case, I chose this public vehicle as um, as our funding vehicle because it allowed me under certain circumstances to retain uh, full control in this venture to execute this vision. This is what I feel we need. And you speak with a lot of confidence about this subject. So I'm wondering, have you in your career had previous experience that informed how you decided to structure your companies at this point? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. The bulk of my previous ventures were bootstrapped throughout the entire venture. Uh, so after I had run my first you know, large company from when I was 23 to 31, uh, I joined a few other companies, one which had a big exit and so it gave me a lot of exposure to different ways to fund and the pitfalls and the challenges. So uh, when I made this decision, it certainly was, I feel, from a, a position of, of knowledge and experience. Yeah. So were there any major or minor pivots over the past year and how you're kind of structuring the companies and their relationship? Yeah, we had a major pivot, a pivot which nearly cost us the company. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Big, big deal. So the first product that we launched with in 2016 didn't end up working. And the uh, market and the investors, uh, you know, abandoned us. Uh, and we had to make the decision, do we persevere? Do we reform? Do we regroup? Do we tighten our belts? Do we make this happen? Do we continue on this mission? 
and we did. And uh, the market responded, and uh, we've been rewarded with an incredible investor community, um, funding on excellent, excellent, excellent terms, and we're all systems go now. But uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, the odds were horrifically stacked against us. Yeah, that's all too common in early stage and companies. You know, we interview a lot of entrepreneurs over the years, Steve, and um, and my personal experience, having been an entrepreneur for the past decade plus, is uh, it you can never be sure of the future in your business, regardless of how great the past was. And there's always something that you have to kind of worry about and focus on. But before we get into that conversation, for the benefit of the audience, let's talk about the firms that you are leading and growing. So just give them an overview of what it is you're building here. You know, it's, it's it's timing is so important, right? I mean, it's just something that you can't predict, you can't bank on, but when it <laughs> happens, it's amazing. And you know, for all the tragedy and misery that COVID has produced and continues to produce, uh, you know, there's two sides of every coin, and um, the issues related to labor have worked in our benefit. And it's a bit of a workup to share with you what we do. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's happened in COVID is, is we've had elderly workers abandon the workforce. They're not coming back. Uh, obviously, we've had a bit of a population decline with, you know, mm -hmm. sickness and death. And we've had a very remarkable thing happen that's never happened before, which is the younger workforce is not as interested as previous workforces to take entry level jobs. They've got money coming in from different sources. They've got, they're resourceful on a level that we haven't seen in the world. And they're making their own things happen. But from a traditional business standpoint, we're not getting those low income workers uh, to work on these jobs. And it's affected, you know, we see it. It's affected uh, fast food, warehousing, logistics, drivers. And it's affected the industry that I come from, which is security. So it's extremely difficult today to staff security guard positions mm -hmm. for those mm -hmm. reasons that I mentioned, among others. What we have done is we have come up with a line of devices, hardware, software, cloudware, mobileware, that can perform a lot of functions that security guards would generally be hired to perform. We're bringing AI and automation and specific devices to perform those jobs. And that is the problem that we're solving and that's why this issue of timing is working in our favor right now. So it sounds like what you're talking about are the products developed in RAD, right? Certainly. Okay. So um, what is unique about the way you're approaching this uh, opportunity and the problems that you're solving? Our entire approach is unique and is not being done anywhere, period. Wow. What we've done is we've created a series of devices that all work together, like I said, to perform those security guard and facility positions. So everything from bringing autonomy and better security and processes to how a vehicle gets through a secure gate, how an employee gets through a secure door, how we prevent vandalism, break-ins, trespassing, um, how we improve the feeling of safety and security in an area, which in turn pushes uh, or theoretically pushes, you know, bad things from happening in that territory. 
So we call it autonomous remote services. And uh, there's a book publicly available that we wrote a couple of years ago on this and four or 5,000 individual downloads of it so far. So, which I think is a pretty good number mm -hmm. given, you know, our industry and the fact that I'm not spending millions of dollars on promotion. So pretty, pretty excited about that. And it, it's, so it's completely a novel approach. It's really part of the fourth industrial revolution. So from visiting your website, what I've seen is you have stationary devices, as you mentioned, for maybe ingress and egress for people coming and going and a variety of those. And you also have uh, autonomous remote devices. Uh, I've been, I have seen, and I have ex been at trade shows where they've been exhibited uh, years ago, not years ago, but recently when trade shows were happening. But let's talk about that aspect of it only because of its, for me, it kind of has a cool factor to it a little bit, which are the the robotic, I call them security guards. But can you can you share a little bit about their function in a workplace? The mobile robotics get a lot more attention. The stationary devices are more functional, a little less sexy. <laughs> yeah. But they do the job. The stationary devices do the heavy lifting. They provide tremendous return on investment back to their back to their end users. The mobile devices are cool. I mean, we've got a dog in partnership with Ghost Robotics out of uh, out of Philadelphia. So we have a, a technical collaboration. We'll we'll be bringing our dog, our junkyard dog, to market this calendar year, which is just wild, right? Bringing right. dogs. Uh, we of course have our huge, seven hundred and fifty pound, seven foot tall Romeo, which is an incredible mechanical and autonomous platform, which is going to start patrolling areas this month in uh, California and Texas. So the first two units will be on site over the next couple of weeks. Um, and those are the products that we've got slated, uh, either in market or coming to market this year on the mobile security guard side. So there seems to me to be, uh, in, in the technology field, there usually has to be some type of a breakthrough that allows this step function performance and different offering like a mobile. I can only imagine what the experience has been deploying devices like that in the test case and getting them ready for distribution. So talk to us a little bit about how the technology now from your perspective is enabling you to build this grid of intelligent devices that not only stand alone and do their job, but they actually work in kind of combination with one another to provide security. Rick, you hit it on the head. This entire industry, and like I said, the fourth industrial revolution is enabled by new technology. And I'll tell you the story really quick. I was working with NVIDIA years mm -hmm. ago, and they showed me some kind of emerging tech that they were working on, which was kind of a handheld processor that was able to run, you know, I'll just simplify it and call it artificial intelligence um, analytics on this chip that people were carrying around in their hand. And I was like, I literally took a look at it coming from the security industry. I took a look at it and I said, I'm gonna create a security robot based on that. Mm -hmm. And that's really what where it took off. Now, the ability to do that type of processing at the edge in low power, low cost um, devices enables the, uh, object recognition and which triggers all types of interaction, right? So that's a key element that enabled what we do. And the second piece was it enables the autonomous movement. 
so, you know, when you're moving a vehicle, there's a lot of processing. So you don't hit people and you go the right way and you don't get lost and you don't, you know, fall into areas. So um, it's really the technological development of having more processing power um, at the edge is what enabled the entire business. So I, I find it so fascinating, Steve, and I, I appreciate you being here and sharing your experience in this space, because I would think on one hand, clients might be a bit skeptical for whatever reason about the functionality and the performance. But then on the other hand, they may be overly enthusiastic about the promise of what it can do. So from a from a entrepreneur's perspective, how do you set the expectations of a new client so that they're not either you know, so they're not disappointed with what the outcome of the solution is that you can provide in today's state of the technology. You know, I'll share with you that at this very moment, we're servicing some of the world's largest companies right now, which, as you know, is a pretty remarkable feat for any company, let alone a kind of scrappy tech startup like we are. Right. So, yeah. so we're in really good company and I'm grateful and appreciative and we work hard for that every day. Um the industry itself, from a security and facilities standpoint, are very conservative. You don't have a lot of early adopters in the space. Mm. And what's worse is you have um, a history of manufacturers over-promising technological developments in the industry. Right. So you kind of have a bit of a jaded industry. Yeah. And it's created some barriers and obstacles to adoption. No question about it. But... Because we have great partners in the industry, for example, Allied Universal, headquartered out of Santa Ana, world's mm -hmm. largest security company, you know, because they've bought into what we're doing, uh, that's really helped catapult us into some huge clients. And uh, and we're working on the adoption. You know, we have uh, we'll be up to seven full time salespeople next Monday on January the 10th. And, you know, we've got momentum and we just grind away. We grind away to prove that our solutions work and we've got very little attrition. So we're talking with Steve Reinhartz and I, I, uh, I appreciate his time. We're, I'd like to kind of look at the artific artificial intelligence aspect of your solution because there's been a lot of interest in the promise of how it can increase business efficiency and create cost savings and now address this shortage issue, which has popped up relative to COVID. It really accelerated the short, the manpower shortage piece. But I'm wondering if you could share with the audience a specific application or maybe a use case where you've been able to demonstrate the business efficiencies and cost savings. An easy way is, um, let's say you have a house of worship and you're getting vandalized you know you don't have the money to necessarily put a guard up right and you know you're not going to sit there it's it's a it's a area of conflict if you put a human there our devices at this point are proven to reduce or eliminate those instances of vandalism reduce or eliminate instances of loitering aggressive panhandling those types of issues that are are issues that spiral into high risk confrontation items, depending on who shows up to try to make the person go away or handle the issue. We're doing it autonomously, hands off, no humans involved, and it works. Just as, just as one example of what we do. Yeah, that you know, I, as you were explaining that, I was thinking, I've got a ring doorbell. I was recently over the holidays away. I could interact with 
people that came to my door and it was uh, a very effective way to understand who's and then i have cameras around the outside too but anyway i digress the point being uh technology is infiltrating people on a consumer level as well that are giving them some of the same advantages of what you're doing only much in a much more sophisticated way so i, I would think that people's personal experience with technology and its usefulness might be also a benefit when you're sitting with the pastor or whoever at the church and explaining how you might be able to help them. Absolutely. But not just that. I mean, we're starting out in B2B and, uh, you know, depending on how much we get through this year, we may have a consumer related product as oh. well. Um, you know, just kind of how our strategy has been. Our strategy is to bring these types of solutions, these labor saving solutions to as many markets, industries and areas as we can. Well, you'll have to come back on Critical Mass Business Talk Show when you launch your, your B2C product so we can talk about what the heck that is all about, Steve. I hope so. So as you know, I lead peer groups for business owners and think tanks where people share experiences. So I'm all about the power of collective intelligence, as I think of it, you know, getting the right people together. I'm wondering, where do you go to get access to other entrepreneurs' insights and experiences that you're using to help the company stay ahead of your competition and then ultimately to grow your business successfully? Yeah, unfortunately, I feel I'm in a bit of a vacuum in that area. I have a few longtime friends that are founders or business leaders, um, but not that many. And um, I think in my case, just with our story and our mission and our vision, it's okay. Now, I really enjoy when I'm speaking with other business leaders and entrepreneurs and creators, uh, but how much it affects me, it's not so much. It's really just about comfort and sharing because um, we're, we're, we're pretty good. We've got a pretty good mission, but I don't know. That's where we're at. Well, I've invited you to attend as a guest my meeting next Thursday, and I would love for you to be there with the other members and kind of share your story and see how that might help you in the future. I'll be there. Good. So let's look to tomorrow. You're going to be back on the show at some point. Describe the vision for the future. What will be different and what are your strategic plans kind of a little bit longer term? And then if you wouldn't mind baking into that, what's the risk analysis? Because I know you deal with people who are always doing the risk analysis. <laughs> They're risk averse. Yeah. So let's talk I about mean, it. You know, I see a future that has uh, more physical robots involved in our lives. So right now, we use AI on a minute by minute basis every time. It's all the software that powers all the big companies and everything that we do. So we're using a lot of what I would consider robotics right now every day. What we are, what AITX is, we're an iteration of that, an evolution of that, that now brings these devices into our homes and into our businesses. So what does that mean for AITX? I want to follow that strategy, follow that formula and create as many of these labor-saving devices and processes powered by AI and our network to as many different industries, uh, areas, and people that we can. So the future I see has a lot of AITX devices in it, helping out, doing mundane jobs, doing dangerous jobs, providing support, making the world safer, more secure, happier place. That's a great vision and it's, it feels empowering. I got a little goosebump kind of as you were talking about it, because I'm, as you, as you're answering that question, I'm thinking about some of the recent movies that I've seen where technology 
is really augmenting life in a very supportive way. Or I think of when I ask Alexa to turn on a light or turn off a light or, I mean, really people are getting much more comfortable using artificial intelligence is not one thing. It is a term used to describe a lot of programming to solve problems in many different areas. You're leveraging that core competency in the security and safety area and others are using it in a variety of other areas. So the, in, the development behind AI is huge, but it's really going in many, many different applications in our life, isn't it? Everywhere. And that's what the fourth industrial revolution is about. So when you're talking to your Alexa, it's using AI to process what you're saying into you know language that can, can then interpret and provide responses or perform certain commands that you're asking. So that's AI iteration. And that's huge. And that makes people feel more comfortable with it. Right. But we're going to have a world where these robots are doing a lot of stuff for us. Without interaction. <laughs> it's, 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 it's exciting. It's scary. I'm the first yeah. to say it's scary. It is. Um, but it can be. Choice. The cat's out of the bag. So right. either embrace it or, I don't know, move to a deserted island in the Pacific. I'm gonna tell right. You, you know, uh, we've had technology futurists uh, speak to our community over the years. And we have one specifically here, luckily, in Orange County. His name's Patrick Schwartzfeger. And he uh, analyzes and looks at trends. And, uh, you know, one of the areas of autonomous vehicles, which is totally different than what you're doing. But nonetheless, heavily leveraging artificial intelligence, machine learning to be able to successfully navigate vehicles. And his point is, it's a some applications of that are a lot closer than we choose to believe, maybe long haul trucking and stuff, but it may come quicker than we think it will because it's accelerating. Has to. And it always does and it always will. And, you know, folks will be on different uh, part of the acceptance spectrum, right? You got the or super early adopters and then you got the never adopters and everybody in between. Um, and it keeps life exciting and, and weird, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that you were here to share your role in the next revolution as it's coming. If someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn or learn more about your firm, how do they find you guys online? You know, you could search my name on LinkedIn. I accept everybody and have lots of ongoing dialogue with dozens of people all the time through LinkedIn. Uh, certainly, if you want to kind of see what we're up to, I recommend you going to AITX dot ai as the website that's kind of the parent website will bring you through uh everything that we have if someone would like to download the book that you talked about earlier where would they find that you can grab it from aitx.ai okay and i think that would be a great place to start plus having visited your site it's a interesting place to go and see the type of technology that you're evolving and developing and deploying so Thank you for being a friend of the program, sharing a little bit about what you're doing and being a successful entrepreneur. That's fantastic. Rick, thanks for having me on. I'll see you next Thursday. Okay. I'd like to thank our audience as well for being a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Steve's episode is episode number 1,333 in our catalog. If you're uh, interested in connecting with me on LinkedIn or visiting my website, it's all the same stuff. I'm Rick, R-I-C. Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I, and that is my website. And until the next time we have a chance to meet, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.